Welcome to the Nonprofit Digital Success Podcast. I'm your host, David, and today I've got Devin Miller on the show. Allow me to introduce him. Devin loves startups. He runs his own patent and trademark law firm to help startups and small businesses. He also founded his first startup while earning his law and MBA degrees for a total of four degrees. Since then, he founded several seven and eight figure startups and enjoyed every minute of it. He's worked with a number of nonprofits over the past few years. Needless to say, Devin knows a thing or two about marketing and protecting an organization's brand. Devin, thanks so much for joining me on the show today. Absolutely, excited to be here and I'm looking forward to a great conversation. So let's dive in. You know about guerrilla marketing. Um, how can a nonprofit break into a new market that they might be thinking of expanding into or increase visibility in their current niche that they're targeting uh, with guerrilla marketing? Yeah, I mean, I think that that's a, a, a you know a broad question and could take it a lot of directions. I mean, if a nonprofit I would look at is, you know, we worked with some and it was interesting. I was just talking with one the other day that's uh, with the a nonprofit in the arts that is actually helping uh, people that are on the in the oncology unit for hospitals and actually for adults and uh, providing some activities. So they have a lot of activities for kids. They tend to not have a lot for the adults, and so they they actually do quite a bit there. And it's an awesome nonprofit. You know, so I was talking with her, and a lot of the it seems like you know a lot of the things that apply for any business apply just as much for a nonprofit. In other words, we talked about the failure rates and you know what? The failure rates for a nonprofit are about the same as for a startup or a small business. When you look at, you have to have a, you know, do your competitor analysis. In other words, everybody wants to do a nonprofit. There's a whole bunch of nonprofits doing the same thing in your area as what you're doing. Just like any other business, it's gonna be hard to compete for those donation dollars. You know, if you look at making it a sustainable model, in other words, you have to just like a business go out and sell, in nonprofits, you have to go out and sell. And even just like a nonprofit, you know, or for-profit businesses, when you're looking at intellectual property, a lot of nonprofits have a great brand. They look at uh, making sure that everybody knows their name. They have to do marketing, they have to do sales. You wanna protect that brand. And so to a large extent, other than how you do it in the accounting and how you sometimes pay, which is, you know, sometimes how you have to do compensation a bit differently, which is set up different, Otherwise, I think most of the same uh, business or logic and business rules apply to a nonprofit just as much as any other business because you have to make it sustainable and you have to make it something that people are willing to support. Yeah, and it's come up in a number of other podcast episodes also. Uh, nonprofit doesn't mean no profit, right? You need to still be out there in order to push your mission further. You need to have those dollars to be able to do that. And you have your staff. Yeah. You know, a lot of nonprofits have volunteers, but you have to have paid staff as well if you want to be able to grow your organization and help more people in your community. Yeah, and I think that's absolutely right. You know, a lot of times people think, well, non-for-profit, that means it doesn't make any money. Well, to a degree, that's true in the sense that a normal firm or normal business, you can have bonuses, you have end of year dividends, you have those type of things, which are different than non-for-profit. But on the other hand, People can still be paid. And that was, I mean, circling back just to the same example, talking about how, hey, well, the person that founded the business didn't take a salary for three years. They paid every artist that came in and did stuff at the hospitals because they wanted to make sure that those artists that were very talented, they had to make a living. And so there's still salaries, there's still management of, you know, how many or how much donations or other income you have in. 
is a lot of times like a for-profit other than you're not doing dividends, you're not necessarily publicly owned or having some stock, but you still have to treat it like we have to be a profitable business that makes money. Otherwise, just like any other business, you don't, you go under. Exactly. So back to guerrilla marketing, what is it that you think nonprofits could do to leverage that? Yeah, I mean, then I would say almost again, I feel like I'm beating a dead horse, so to speak, but there's a lot of the similarities <laughs> with a startup or small business, which is, you know, as opposed to a large business, it's already a well-established brand, you know, they have their own type of brand. When you're doing, whether it's a nonprofit or a startup, but especially nonprofit, it's a lot about stories, right? In other words, you're having to relay why your story matters. And so, you know, I'll, I'll just keep with the same line, the one that we're working with, with the hospital, they had a story where she was 13 and basically had some cancer and other things that uh, she had to get treatment uh, for all of high school. And she went through the program as a kid, and then she went back to or to volunteer her time at the hospital for adults and found that they didn't have the program that they, she thought they should. So started up a nonprofit and got it going there. That all that that's all the story, right? And just using that as an example, but there's a story behind it, and yet the story is the most you know one of the most powerful things. And so if you're looking to do a lot of real marketing, you have to make sure you have a mission or a story, especially for nonprofit, where you're saying this is the reason why this matters, because as opposed to a normal consumer product, which you're paying for a good, you're paying for a service, you get something for what you're paying for with a nonprofit typically is a donating, you're supporting a cause, you're supporting a service. And guess what? You don't get that physical or something or a tangible service or a tangible product. Now you may have other benefits. You feel good. You're supporting it. It may be near and dear to your heart, but it has to be a story that resonates. And so I think when you're getting that kind of real marketing, the first thing you have to do is nail down your story, nail down why it matters. What is that story? What is that brand and how you're different than the other nonprofits are out there. The other one that I think as far as guerrilla marketing is you have to look to differentiate yourself because there's still a, you know, you think, oh, well, I can start nonprofit people when they donate, they're other kind of start. There's a lot of nonprofits out there and a lot of people trying to solve a lot of issues. Hunger in schools, hunger in general, homelessness, cancer, you take, you know, and then there's missing climate change, whichever side of the aisle you're on with climate change, you can take, you know, energy, you can take all of the beautification of natural resources and you go down the list. And there's a lot of times buying for it. And so if you don't have that story, it doesn't break through. But I think after you establish that story, then it's much easier to utilize that story in the social media, whether it's LinkedIn, if it's more on the business side, and you're trying to go to B2B, or you're trying to figure out is it a direct to consumer. The last thing I'll add, and then I'll, I'll or take a break, is that I think you have to also define your core market, which a lot of times I think if you're a normal business, you tend to say, okay, who is the person that's going to buy the product? When you're a nonprofit, a lot of times you just say, well, we're just going to go and anybody that will donate, we want to take their money type of thing because that helps the cause, which is true. But there is still a core audience. In other words, the people, let's say that you wanted to go and address climate change versus you wanted to go and take beautification of it versus you wanted to go and change the legal system. All those are not going to be the same people that may donate to the cause because while people are charitable in general, they typically give to the causes that are most near and dear to them. So you still have to figure out who those people are that are willing to donate similar to as if you're trying to sell product, you need to know who your consumer is. Yeah. I think, you know, in, in terms of what you just said, there's a lot of really great bits in there. Um, you know, identifying unique sales proposition, the USP for the organization is really, really key. And then finding one, two, five, thirty 30 stories that can really evoke emotion that's tied around that to connect with the people that you're trying to get money from or 
even get volunteers to help with the cause. People like to give to causes that are near and dear to them and being able to help them understand how you help and how you solve a specific problem, just like a business does, right? Like Tesla, they want to solve the uh, the gas uh, crisis with cars, right? That's that's one of their, their things that they're going for. That's why they produce electric cars and all that type of thing. Whether you believe in electric cars or not, it doesn't really matter. That's their, that's their goal, right? Is to help solve this energy crisis. And that's what they're tied around. That's why people buy their vehicles, right? It's the same thing for a nonprofit. What is it that you do? How can you help? Why do you help? And how can other people participate either financially or with their time? And I think it's really key to be able to make that connection. And stories are one of the easiest and best ways to do it. No, absolutely. I mean, and I think that you almost hit on something is sometimes we almost dive into how to do it as nonprofit. Sometimes you look and say, should we be a nonprofit or not? In other words, you can be a for-profit business and still have a mission. I like Elon Musk for some of the eccentricities he has. A lot of what he's doing is he thinks that there needs to, we need to have an ability to not just live on the earth and we need to be able to diversify into other planets. And so if something were to ever happen to the earth or human population isn't wiped off. So you look at electricity. Well, that's as much you need to, if you were to go to there's some other world, take Mars as an example, you need electricity. You need to have spaceships, which is why you got into spaceships. You need to have drilling. You need to have, and all these things. Now, whether or not you agree with them or whether or not you think he's a bit crazy, but you like his product, there's at least that mission. And his is a completely for-profit business, but he's doing, he's still working towards a mission. Another one that I always like is there's flex watches and they have a, you know, they have different colored watches that are for different types of, um, different types of causes that you can buy and you buy a blue watch and it's for one or a pink watch and it's for another. Those are both for-profit businesses and yet they have as much of a mission. So if you're going to go to a nonprofit, you want to look and say, is that the best set or setup or is that the best thing that I should be doing? In other words, it may be better that you are a for-profit business and you run it like a business, you have a product, and then you're able to accomplish your mission by donating versus you say, no, for this type of thing, it really doesn't make sense to be a for-profit business. We're not going to go out and try and donate part of our causes or, you know, donate part of our profits. We're going to run off of donations. And I think making that determination and why you're going to set it up oftentimes will make it set it up better for success because you can go both ways and it does depend on what you're trying to accomplish. 100%, 100%. And, you know, taking it from the, you know, ethereal into the practice and bringing that down into actually producing something. Um, how do you see how nonprofits can leverage that in, let's say, their websites? Yeah, I mean, if I were to look at the website, you know, it's it's a great place to have a footprint. In other words, it is getting harder and harder, you know, as opposed to, you know, maybe other conventional wisdom to break through on social media and other places to tell your full story. Now, I'm not saying you shouldn't use those areas, social media, doing events and everything else, but you have a very limited amount of time and a limited amount of attention to capture a lot or to tell a lot of your story. So it's usually a much more condensed, short version of your story. And yet it's, you know, you're almost doing it as more of a teaser. And yet the website is a place that you can fully embellish that. In other words, you can tell about what you're doing, show or show stories from other people show missions that you've accomplished, people you've impacted and all that, and you can do it in a much fuller thing. So I think the website oftentimes builds a lot more of that trust. And so in other words, a lot of times with the short snippet, you're just trying to grab attention in a good way, but you're trying to get them to be interested in your cause. And then you use your website a lot of times to leverage that trust. In other words, you're looking to make sure that now that I'm interested in what your cause is, 
hey, do I, is there transparency? Do I know where the money is going? Because sometimes it feels like for nonprofits, 5% actually go to the nonprofits and 95% go to the people that are giving themselves a big salary and calling it a nonprofit. And others that are really great. They really do just use all their user resources in a very good way, but it's hard to tell. So transparency, building trust, building that story. And that's a great place, I think, a lot of times online that they can come and start to actually become more familiar if they're not already. Yeah, and you know, if you take a look at the cost, right, you can put out a mailing, you could put out a direct mail, go to Canada Post or USPS and send out, you know, postcards to a certain area, your catchment area or whatnot, drive people back to your website, instead of producing, let's say a TV commercial, or a video that's going to get pushed out and you're paying for ad space on YouTube, right? Um, you should still have really good quality video. Does it have to be, you know, Hollywood level quality? No. Should it be a little bit better than somebody just, you know, taking their cell phone and, and doing a video? Probably. Um, but it's, it's a very effective way to tell your story, getting people through to the website, and then you post your video on your site. I think you should also post it to social. If you don't have a YouTube channel, you know, get it out there because you're going to get a whole bunch of views. YouTube is the number two search engine. A lot of people go there to search for things. Anything you can produce that's educational will get more views. It's about, I think, 30% of, of YouTube traffic or educational type of videos. And, you know, being able to leverage that to draw attention to your brand and what you do as an organization, I think is really critical. Now, the one thing I, I think that you hit on is that in geographic area, in other words, you are going to want to set it up probably a bit different. If you're saying, hey, I'm only in this local area, you you would probably going to advertise and do it a bit differently than if you're trying to do a nationwide, you know, nationwide push. And so both work and you have different organizations do it both ways. But I think defining that the other thing I would I would maybe slightly push back. I would agree with you on the video that you should or if you can get the better quality, you should. But it shouldn't be a fear or another word. Hey, because I don't have a studio set up that has a nice microphone and perfect lighting, I'm just not going to do it at all until I get to that point. I don't think that that should be a gating factor. In other words, if all you have is a cell phone and that's how you're going to start your mission, great. Start doing something to build your mission, to build your cause. Now, as you get it up and going, you should certainly get it to be a bit better quality and, and try to improve it and further show that you build that trust. But I think a lot of times people kind of have an all or nothing thing where it's either got to be very professional, done up in quality, or it's nothing at all. And then they never get started and they never put out that content, which can certainly be beneficial to them. So I always think that getting started and then realizing there is a difference in quality and the better quality you can have, the higher trust and the higher uh, likelihood that people are going to support the cause. But it doesn't mean you shouldn't do anything in the meantime. You definitely shouldn't blow your budget on, on video production. I think there's a time and place for it, 100%. You know, something is better than nothing. Getting started with it, I 100% I agree. Uh, take a video, get it up there, and set that as like legacy content down the road and have a plan for producing a newer version of it, maybe a more refined script from it if you're just like shooting it off the cuff, right? And then eventually kind of like archiving that out and replacing it with, with newer footage. I think it's definitely a great plan for sure. No, and I think that, and I think one of the other, you, you talked a little bit about real marketing. If you're looking to build a story, build a brand, and otherwise leverage a lot of what you're doing as what we're doing right now with the podcast, a podcast is a great way. That's the one that I think is on the uptick that people are certainly liking to listen to it as you drive or as you're otherwise out in the yard or doing things or going for a run. And if you can find an interesting angle to tell your story and to have consistent content, that's another way. And then you don't have, all you have to do is make sure you have a decent microphone if you're not even doing the video 
and then you don't have to worry about as much of that content. It also gives it a bit more free flow. Now, the caveat I give is you have to make sure that it's consistent. A lot of times people will get five episodes into a podcast and then they run out of people or interesting topics or interesting guests. And then it doesn't have that. But if you can kind of consistently, it's another way to engage people that maybe is a lot of times underutilized. I agree. And if if anybody who's listening to this is interested in getting started in podcasting, your best bet is to find a podcast to be a guest on and to start there and get some experience with it and uh, and go from there and see you know what works, what doesn't work and and so on. Um, but uh, switching gears a little bit, and I want to I want to chat a little bit about branding. Um, so as you know, a nonprofit NGO, community-based organization, a charity, what should they consider in terms of protecting their brand? Yeah, I mean, typically when you're protecting your brand, there's a couple areas that you might want to consider, which is trademarks and copyrights. And if you think of trademarks or really go towards the actual branding, in other words, name of the name of the nonprofit. If you have a product or in other words, you know, we mentioned like watches or if you have other things that people are otherwise, let's say you have a neat, unique product. In other words, some of the cool ones you have, hey, we go down and we go to South America or we go to Africa and we have we support other people that make products. And then we come back to the U.S. and sell them in order to support the nonprofit. If you have a cool product, then you also can think about a product name. So product a name of a, a name of the nonprofit, name of products or services you're offering, a catchphrase, something along those lines. Those are all going to be under trademarks. And now you think, well, why would we want legal protection for a nonprofit? We're a nonprofit. We're just doing a, or doing a admission. Of course, nobody's going to rip that off. And maybe less so. Maybe people are a little feel a little bit more morally obligated. On the other hand, if it's just like any other business, if you have a great brand, people are going to try and ride those coattails if they can, because they want to have that shortcut in order to get whether it's their own nonprofit or their own business going or anything else. And so you're still going to want to protect that. The other thing that you can consider is copyrights. Now, copyrights go more towards creatives. So if you're to think of a video, a book, a sculpture, a painting, a photo, something along those lines that's more on the creative side, then you can protect those with copyrights. So let's say you have a really great viral video that the people really catch fire. You may want to copyright that because it does give you that protection to control the video. Now, you don't always have to go out and sue everybody. You don't have to go in, you know, otherwise, you know, try and shut people down. But it also gives you that ability to control. So in other words, let's say you don't want, you have your brand or you have your copyright. You don't want it to be tied with a, a given cause that's contrary to your cause. So if you're on one side of you know an issue and you have people that are using on the other side of the issue, you want to be able to control the narrative or control your story. You don't want to leave it open to others. You don't want people to go out and start a counter or a similar website that or take or takes the opposite message that you're doing. It's so all those things allow you to, when you get the trademark, you get the copyright, you're able to have that control. So as you're building the brand, even if you're not looking to go out and sue everybody because it's not the same thing as maybe on the business side, you are able to control it so that you can make sure that your your brand of your nonprofit stays intact. Yeah, and I think to that point, um, in terms of branding, I would hope that a lot of people that are listening to this understand the importance of having a unified and solidified brand and knowing, you know, the value of having a brand guide and brand standards documents, you know, and in terms of protecting their brand, like you just said, making sure that the, the efforts that they're putting in, the creativity, the time, the thought, that, and all of that that was put into coming up with whatever your example, like the viral video, right? That should be protected. That's their IP. That's their time and effort, right? Um, so in terms of copywriting or trademarking or that type of thing, what, what would nonprofits or I guess any business or organization 
um, need to do in order to uh, to do that type of protection. Yeah, and also I definitely answer the question. You know, just to give you a couple examples of readily recognized brands that you are for nonprofits. You think of United Way. Everybody knows the United Way. You think of Salvation Army. You think of St. Jude. You think of Habitat for Humanity. You think of YMCA. You think of you know Boys and Girls Club of America. All of those are brands that are all nonprofits, and yet you readily recognize their brands. And they want to, you know, those brands are saying, I want to be able to control. So if we want to do a initiative with someone else, great, we can do an initiative. Or if we want to license it or otherwise help people, we can, but it still gives you that ability to control. Now, as far as kind of what you need to get started, it's really going to be about the same, whether you're a nonprofit or a for-profit, in the sense you're going to have to go through the same process of protecting your brand. So typically, the first thing you're going to do is, whether it's the copyright or the trademark, First, drill down to what is a core value or the core, you know, what is proprietary or where's the value of your nonprofit? Is it in great content? In other words, hey, maybe we have a name, people don't recognize it as well, but we're putting out great videos. Or maybe, you know, used to have some of the famous celebrities that all got together and would do songs with nonprofits that would promote a cause. And maybe you have a great song that's really popular and you're going to want to protect that. So, step back for a second and say, yes, we want to make sure we have the brand, we have the copyright, but what is the what is the thing that is helping our nonprofit the most? Is it the content we're putting out? Is it the creatives that we're putting out? Or is it more of the brand and people like the name and they like the, they like the title or like what we're doing? And so that's where you first do it. So you identify what the thing is that you want to protect. And then from there, typically you're going to want to go and see an attorney. And I know that sounds like a self-serving answer, but I mean, that is the best way if you're wanting to make sure if your intent is, is we're building a nonprofit that is going to be sustainable, that's going to go in the future, you're going to want to take a few steps, just like setting up the nonprofit, making sure that it's legally done correctly, that you're managing the funds correctly, that you're otherwise staying in line with the government. You're also going to want to make sure that you have your brand properly protected or your creatives such that you can make sure as you're building it and growing it and you're helping more people that you're able to also have that protection in place. And so typically the easiest way is, let's say what you want to protect, whether figure out if it's the copyright, the trademark, whether or not what it is that you want to copyright or trademark, and then go to an attorney, talk through, this is what we're doing, this is how we want to protect it, and then walk you through the process or, or the process of how to go about doing that. And um, I, th I think it's important for, for brands, um, businesses and nonprofits to make sure that they, they do protect themselves. Um, and like the worst thing that could possibly happen is you put a lot of time and effort into something uh, to fight for whatever the cause is. And then somebody uses the same thing for their cause and they end up, you know, poaching your donors really is, is right. So um, I, I think that's maybe a little bit far-fetched and maybe like an extreme example, but I, you know, it, it's certainly something that's possible. Yeah, I mean, I think it can be everything from poaching your donors or even if they're not intentionally trying to go out and get your donors, but they're trying to get their own nonprofit up or going and they want to ride your coattails. In other words, they want to come and or play off of your brand, which has the same effect of it may poach your donors. Even at that, it can be that they start to control the narrative. So let's say you have a very polarizing type of a, a non-for-profit. In other words, you have a specific mission that some people on one side of the aisle are going to be very passionate about, some people on the other side of the aisle, and I'm not going to name which side, are going to hate, then what you don't want to do is have the people that are your opposers that don't want to support your nonprofit to be able to go out and start controlling your brand or ride those coattails or otherwise change the narrative or change the, or the message. And so it a lot of times allows you to, especially 
if you're in those polarizing type of nonprofits, which there's ones on both sides of the aisle and there's people that do it, but it, it allows you to maintain that control so that as you're working to fulfill your mission, you can still do it in a way that doesn't, or you don't have issues with other people trying to tear it down. Exactly. Exactly. And uh, earlier on, you were talking about, um, you know, being out there and vying for dollars with, you know, different organizations. Um, look, you know, there there's lots of organizations out there um, that are looking for for donor funds, because that's how you know a lot of nonprofits operate are based off of a large percentage of donor funds, whether they're doing the same type of work as you, whether they're in the same region as you, it doesn't really matter. Right. Everybody only has so much money. If there's there's a finite amount of money, people need money to to live, to pay for food and shelter and all that type of stuff. Um, hopefully people are thinking about, you know, having a, a certain amount of money a year, a month, a week, a day to give to charity and, and to help, because that's really you know what makes the world go round at the end of the day. So how can an organization compete in a world where there's just so many nonprofits that are asking yeah i mean i think that it, it probably is a lot of what we already hit on in the sense that first of all if there is a nonprofit in your area or you know or you're doing it better you know nationwide or worldwide if there's a nonprofit already doing what you're doing i don't know that i'd recommend trying to just go and do a nonprofit that's exactly the same as out there figure out something different or figure out something that's your niche now maybe they're not doing it well and you're saying hey they're not doing it fulfilling their mission and that's what the differentiating is but you have to have something that's different you know usually we're getting right around the christmas time and that's the time that you know you always see the salvation army out ringing the bell and they have that first of all they have an established brand but even second of all they're vying for the same dollars that people are otherwise going to either go buy or spend on christmas or that are going to go donate to one of another 20 causes and so you have to be able to clearly articulate your message clearly get it out there differentiate yourself and then i think beyond that it's just putting in the work of you actually have to go out hit the streets, let people know about it. And I said, sometimes it's a direct-to-consumer, Salvation Army, you got the Santa ringing out the, the bell. Other times you're going to businesses and you're doing, you know, asking for donations. Other times you're doing events and you're actually, you know, providing an event where people can come and otherwise feel good and be entertained and, and also donate. Or is it a auction and you're going to do that? Or is it online and you're going to have a mission where you're doing it all for you social media? But I think one is you have to identify what your niche is, how you're going to be different and what's out there and then you get that plan as to how you then go out tackling it in a way that approaches or can or hits the people that are willing to donate because they're going to everybody gets bombarded by plenty of people especially around the holidays of asking for money to help and, and to go and support because this is the kind of the season where people are more charitable but also means that you, there's only a finite amount of dollars that people are able to donate yeah and i think you know in in conjunction with that Obviously, every organization needs to believe in what they do and understand that what they do is specific and unique to them. And they are not necessarily better than our organi other organizations, but different, right? But it, going in hand with that, I think it's also important for organizations to think about partnerships with other organizations that might be doing something similar or might be doing something very different and seeing you know, how they can connect with them to bring them in and help them with their mission, with their goal in a joint effort, or even reaching out to industry to for-profit uh, businesses uh, and seeing how they can leverage partnerships on that side as well. 
No, and I think that those are both great points. And sometimes it is, hey, we're in a, we're trying to accomplish the same thing. Let's get together. Another time it's, hey, we're trying to accomplish two separate things, but we can, you know, we can both utilize or leverage. In other words, we're non-competitive and sometimes non-competitive is great. Sometimes competitive is great. But I think reaching out and trying to, one, if you're in a nonprofit, it's typically because you're looking to make a, or to make an impact and have a mission. And if you can couple with those that are also trying to make an impact or mission that may either be in the, or pulling in the same direction or be able to leverage each other, that's a great way. The other one I think that a lot of times people have a hesitancy with is some, or at least in some people's view, is that if you go out to big corporate or big America or corporate America, you're now somehow dirty your nonprofit because now you're going again, you know, you're not no longer nonprofit, you're, or you're, you're solely in the name, so to speak. And make sure that you vet the people you're working with, that it does line up, that you don't go and work for the gas and oil industry if you're looking to or go for green energy or vice versa. And so make sure it doesn't go contrary. But just because they're a for-profit business doesn't mean they don't care. There are a lot of businesses. Take Subaru, for example. They have done a ton to brand themselves as a very charitable giving company. Now, never looked into them. Don't know that that's the case. But I know that that's a public perception. So can you then partner with them for a cause that may line up with what Subaru or something else to do? And I think that those are both great options and avenues that sometimes people overlook because they're saying, nope, just got to go it on my own, got to do it myself. And rather than try and do it yourself, a lot of times you can work together and, and, and have a lot better success if you're working with others. Absolutely. And you can leverage their expertise, right? If, if you are a small nonprofit and there's a Subaru dealership near you, just as some like random example, right? Maybe there's something that you can run in conjunction with them to, to help bring what you're doing to life and go from there. Um, and in terms of working with other sectors and industries, how can people or organizations leverage marketing or design from other sectors or industries? Yeah, I mean, how do you can leverage the, the design or the marketing? First of all, I think that you one of the easiest ways is to find people that are also wanting to accomplish their accomplish the same mission or also have that near and dear to their heart that may already have the skills. In other words, before you even go out to other industries, there may be people that are you know, give you the, the cancer ward that have gone through cancer that are very talented graphic designers or artists and they're willing to donate some of their time, go start to see it. Are there people that are looking to donate their time? I think a lot of people are wanting to give, they're wanting to donate. And even before you go to others and find them, you can find the individuals that are oftentimes willing to help and donate in other ways, work for the cause. And so I think one thing is just to look and see, are there ways that even before you go out and ask others, you find, you know, other businesses or nonprofits or that ask those people that maybe wanted to give. Because I think as opposed to money, people are a lot of times even more willing to donate their time because that's something where they feel like they're giving as opposed to just writing out a check. Now, as far as kind of, I think, identifying who is the people that you can go out, it's, it's a, you know, I keep using the same example as the same as a startup or small business. But when you're doing a startup or small business, you're looking for investors. You're looking to go and get people that are willing to donate and now they're giving you money to get a return. But even when you're doing that, you're having to go out and you're having to look and see which investors are, are previously invested in these type of causes, which investors are willing to donate at the, or, the, or you know, invest at the same rate that we're needing for and the amount of money and which ones are otherwise lined up with our costs. Exact same thing with the nonprofit. Go and do your homework. Which are the people, whether it's another, another non-for-profit or another business that is willing to donate? Have they donated before? Are they donating to the level that you need to? And maybe that, you know, if you're looking for a $10,000 donation and they only donate $500 a year, may not be a good thing. On the other hand, if they're looking, they typically donate 500,000, 
and you're not set up to take that type of money and be able to well utilize it, they're going to say, we'd love to donate, but you're not at the scale. So do your homework and say, okay, have they donated before? Do they donate to the or in the range that we're needing or asking for donations? And are they lined up with our cause? And it's a lot of the same thing. It's you have to do your homework, go identify those people. And then it's nothing more than, it's nothing more or less than just, you have to hit the pavement. In other words, you have to go out and sell and it can't just be, hey, you know, I think that it's very similar to a startup that people think they're going to have a great idea and they're going to be banging down your door to give you money. Hey, I'm going to go start a non-for-profit. It's going to have a good mission and everybody's just going to want to bang down my door and donate and support. It's not the cause or not the case because people have to know about it and you have to get out there and just hit the pavement. At the end of the day, it comes down to taking an action of some kind and, and doing something to help your cause move forward, right? Whether it's shooting a quick little selfie video, uh, talking about, um, you know, creating an article, going and meeting with other similar like organizations, meeting with um, businesses that are maybe near you or are somewhat related or affiliated to the same type of cause. Um, and really, you know, taking that first step forward is the way to the path of success. Yeah. And I think one of the ones you can also a lot of times look for, you know, the overused word of influencers. Now, influencers have taken on different meaning, but I'm more what I'm saying influencers. Let's say you had, you wanted to help with, you know, something with babies or with childhood. And let's say it's toddlers that are going through, you know, health conditions. They have a specific thing. Well, there's a lot of, you know, mommy bloggers out there that are doing that. There's a lot of, you know, people that are doing those type of things and they're not influenced in the sense they're not famous. And everybody knows about them, but they may have a following. Now they may be doing it for profit, but they're saying they are oftentimes willing to, and their audience is going to line up with what you're doing. And so I think that looking just for those businesses, those individuals, people in the same area, and then just reaching out to them. And a lot like you're going to probably go through reaching out with a lot of people that are going to give you nose and you have to be, you have the understanding and the preparation and the grit to say, it's going to take a lot of nose before I'm going to get to the yes. And if you're not willing to accept the nose, and you probably shouldn't get started because it's not an easy road to get something up and going, no matter whether it's a business, a nonprofit or anything else, it's going to take time and effort and you have to be willing to stick to it. Absolutely. And I think ultimately it comes down to starting with what is your unique proposition, what differentiates you and figuring out that story that's going to connect the dots for whoever it is that you're going and talking to. And then weaving that through um, a, a lot of, not a lot of nonprofits, but a number of nonprofits don't even have a business plan. They don't have that, that like formal understanding written down of what it is, what they do and who they do it for. Starting with that story, why are we doing this? Why do we care, right? W what makes us wanna do this every day, right? Putting that down, getting a story about it and then weaving that through all of your messaging is gonna pull it all together. And it's gonna, I think, get you that first foot in the door with people when you try to have these conversations. Yep, I, I couldn't agree more. I, I definitely think that's, that's, a, that's a great point. Awesome. This has been really, really awesome. Thank you so much for, uh, for joining me on here. If anybody wants to get in touch with you, what do they need to do? Yeah. So I'll give a, I'll give three different ways, depending on what you're getting in touch with me for. So the easiest ways, if you want to do a one-on-one -on -one session now, as I mentioned, what we do, and uh, I do, do run an intellectual property law firm. So if you are looking to protect your brand, protect your copyright, discuss business or anything else, I'm always happy to chat one-on-one. -on -one. They can go to strategymeeting.com. That link's right to my calendar. You can grab a day and time that works for you. And that's easy just to do one-on-one. -on -one. If they want to find out a little bit more about what I'm doing and what I've done and what, you know, what I'm, or what services I might offer and the businesses I've worked with and done, 
They can either go to the law firm's website, which is an easy one, lawwithmiller.com. That sends you right to our website. And you can check all that out, that information. Now on the socials, I'm not a, I do some on socials. I'm not as nearly as active other than I, I love LinkedIn. So that is a lot of times where I tend to hang out if I'm on socials. And if you want to go check me out on LinkedIn, just go to meetmiller.com and that takes you right to my profile. That's amazing. I'm going to include in our show notes page for this episode. Uh, links for that for everybody who's listening. If uh, if you want to head over there, just go to wowdigital.com slash podcast, and there'll be a link on this episode once it's up and published uh, for you. So thanks again for joining in, Devin. It's been so great having you on the Nonprofit Digital Success Podcast. Um, yeah, thanks everybody for tuning in and listening. And until the next episode, keep on being successful. There we go. And cut.